All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Garanga. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasaya, Bhutale, Sri Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane. Namaste Saraswati Deve, Gauravani Pacharani, Nivasesa Sanyavadi Paskatya Desatarani. Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta, Padakamalam Sri Guru and Vaishnavamscha. Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitam Shcha Manchakalpatubhishakri Pasindaviyavachapti Tanam Pavanevya Vaishnavam Do we get water or is that... Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So it's March 30th, 2020 in Hillsborough, North Carolina and we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 10 Chapter 15, The Killing of Denuka, the Astrum Demon. We're going to do text 37 and 38. So 37 is up on the screen. Tamstam apatyak, tamstam apatata krishno. Ramaschan ripalilaya. Rahita Pascha Charanan Prahino Trina Rajasu Tantan All of them, one by one Apatakata Attacking Krishna Lord Krishna Ramaha Lord Balarama, Cha, An, Nripa, O King, Lilaya, Easily, Rihita, Seizing, Paschacharanam, Their hind legs, Prahinote, Through, Trina Rajasu, Into the palm trees. Translation O King, as the demons attacked, Krishna and Balaram easily seized them one after another by their hind legs and threw them all into the tops of palm trees. So what here, what word here is being translated as very easily? Lilaya. Lilaya, which also means what? Pastime. So in other words, it was they were throwing them into the trees like it was a what? Like it was a gate. Right? So, you know, you're throwing a ball, you're throwing a frisbee, right? You're playing with a kite. So it was like that. 
To them it was a game. Okay, we're going to go on to text 38. Pala Parkara Sankirnam Daitya Dehar Gata Subihi Raraja Bhu Satalagrar Ganar Eva Nabastalam. Translation The earth then appeared beautifully covered with heaps of fruits. So, why was the earth covered with heaps of fruits? Because they've fallen down. Right? Have you ever been to an orchard where you see lots and lots of fruits on the ground? Right? I was just at a ashram in the Bahamas and there was this big chiku tree. Do you know what chikus are? It's like a round, brown fruit. And they were ripe, so they'd be falling out of the tree and they'd be all over the ground. And we'd pick up the chiku fruits offered to Krishna. So this says, was covered with heaps of fruits and with the dead bodies of the demons which were entangled in the broken tops of the palm trees. Indeed, the earth shone like the sky decorated with clouds. So you have fruits all over the ground, and then in the trees, you have the dead bodies of the demons. So the trees are broken, and they're filled with demons. We have a temple in Ireland, on an island called Inishrath, and there... The devotees have set up different parts of the island as different parts of Vrindavan. So this was this has been done also at the at New Vrajdam in Hungary. But in New Vrajdam in Hungary, they usually have like some kind of a gazebo or a bench or something like that to mark the place. But what they've done in Ireland, where Krishna and Balaram killed Danukasura. They actually have a dead donkey in the tree. Now, it's not a real dead donkey, obviously. It's just a stuffed animal. But, you know, this is where Krishna and Balaram killed Danikasura. And then you look in the tree, and because it's in Ireland, of course, it's not a palm tree. But <laughs> you look up in the tree, and there's this stuffed donkey. Purport. According to Srila Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, the bodies of the demons were dark, like dark blue clouds. And the large quantity of blood that had flowed from their bodies appeared like bright red clouds. Thus, the whole scene was very beautiful. So when do we see this? Dark clouds and red clouds. Sunset. Sunset, or sometimes sunrise, but mostly sunset. Right? Very dark clouds as the sun is setting, and then the red as the sun. And do people like to watch the sunset? Yes? yes. When we were on the big island of Hawaii on the side where we lived, you would, could see the sun rise over the ocean. On the other side of the island, you could see the sun set into the ocean. And I remember when we were visiting some devotees in Kona, and they had a balcony where you could get this beautiful view of the ocean with the sun setting into the ocean. Right? Or one of the most interesting places that I was in, where it was in Brazil, where you could, there was like a little outcrop of land and then a small islandish place where you could see both the sun rising over the ocean and the sun setting over the ocean which sounds geographically impossible uh, in Brazil but you, you really could and it was such a tourist attraction even for the locals so every day hundreds and hundreds of people would go there for both sunrise and sunset because it was a place where you could see this beautiful scene So again, according to Srila Vishnu Chakravati Thakur, the bodies of the demons were dark 
like dark blue clouds, and the large quantity of blood that had flowed from their bodies appeared like bright red clouds. Thus, the whole scene was very beautiful. The Supreme Personality of Godhead in his various forms, such as Rama and Krishna, and here Rama is referring to Balarama, of course it could also refer to Ramachandra, whose appearance day is coming up soon, or to Parasarama, but here we would assume it appears it's referring to Lord Balarama, is always transcendental, and when he enacts his transcendental pastimes, the result is always beautiful and transcendental, even when the Lord performs violent acts, like killing the stubborn-ass demons. So we have the wonderful song, Madurati Patira Kilam Madaram. Everything about the Lord is sweet. And we might think, well, this doesn't sound very sweet. A bunch of bloody demons in the trees. In fact, later in the past times, we'll find that the boys didn't even eat the fruits because they, were, they had blood from the demons on them. So they were left for other people to collect. So if this seems rather horrific and disgusting and, and very, very violent, there's you know, sometimes a controversy as to whether or not we should let children know about these very violent pastimes with blood coming out of the trees. Broken trees with dead demon bodies in them and blood dripping out. See, one difficulty is that when we look at our activities in this world, we think of them very much in terms of good and bad. We think, you know, if parents are taking nice care of their children, that's very good. If a man and woman fall in love and they take care of each other and they get married and they take care of their home and they pay their taxes, that's very good. But if there's a war, that's very bad. Isn't it? Right? We think like that. Well, this, this is a good thing and this is a bad thing. So when we look at Krishna, we also may tend to think like that. Well, this thing Krishna did, you know, when Krishna marries Rukmini, that's good. When he kills the demons, that's bad. You know, that's nasty. And we find even members of our Hare Krishna movement tend to think like that. You know, that, well, we can tell the children about these pastimes, but we can't tell them about these pastimes. And we have, of course, there's a group of people who worship Krishna. One can call them devotees in one sense. Uh, the Sahajiyas who just want to hear about Krishna's Ras Lila. They don't want to hear about Krishna killing demons. They don't even want to hear about Krishna marrying Rukmini. You know, they just want to hear about Krishna dancing with the gopis. Now, they're also distinguishing. You know, we want to hear these pastimes. We don't want to hear these pastimes. Or somebody may think, you know, well, I want to hear about Lord Ramachandra, but I don't want to hear about Parasaram. Because, well, Parasaram was killing all these satriyas, and that's not very good. And then we're understanding things according to duality. Of course, Krishna Das Kaviraj tells us that materially, everything is bad. As soon as we think, see things separate from Krishna, as soon as we're trying to enjoy separately from Krishna, then even if everything's beautiful and wonderful and sweet, it's all bad. And this concept, I think, is, is very difficult. It's one of the concepts that Srila Prabhupada spoke about a lot. 
you know, that as soon as we see things separately from Krishna, as soon as we think that we're the center, then everything we do is selfish. Even serving our country, taking care of our children, loving our spouse, paying our taxes, having a good job, it's all, it's all an illusion. It's all selfish. And it's a very difficult thing to really grasp. And again, I, I see that even as members of a spiritual society, that's a hard thing to grasp. You know, I've heard devotees say, well, you know, if you love your family, it will help you to love Krishna. But Prabhupada personally told my father I was right there. That that's not true. It's not that if you're a good person in the world, you're automatically a spiritual person because it's all selfishly based. And as soon as everything's in connection with Krishna, then it's all wonderful. Even Arjuna fighting with Bhishma and Drona on the battlefield, which materially is, is abominable. For Arjuna to fight with Drona, who was his guru, I think Prabhupada comments that you don't even give your authorities a verbal fight, what to speak of taking up arms against them, or to fight with Bhishma, who was basically like a father to Arjuna. Arjuna lost his own father at a young age. I mean, and Arjuna said that. He said, this is terrible. This is sinful. We're going to go to hell by killing our own kinsmen. We're going to destroy everything. But because it was in relation to Krishna, it was actually wonderful. Because it wasn't based on selfishness. It wasn't based on ego. And again, this concept is very difficult to understand. Krishna says, whatever appears to be of value, if it is without relation to me, has no reality. Know it to be my illusory energy, that reflection that appears to be in darkness. And after talking about so many things in the different modes at the end of chapter 17, Krishna says, Asharayam bhutam dattam tapas tattam kritam trayat asad ikyutate parta natchahat tesvavasita. That everything without relation to Krishna, there's no faith in Krishna, it's, it's asad. It doesn't really have any meaning. And as soon as things have relation to Krishna, then they have meaning. And I was just hearing this today in the introduction to the nectar devotion. That if you try to love other living beings separately from Krishna, it doesn't work. It's like trying to water a tree by putting, you know, taking an eyedropper and putting drops on the leaves. The tree will die. But if you water the root of the tree, and Prabhupada said, then you love everyone. So again, it's a very difficult concept to really accept. It's also a very difficult concept to apply properly. You know, we, we find both difficulty understanding it theoretically and difficulty living it. How do I live this concept that without a spiritual connection, everything is bad, and with a spiritual connection, everything is good, and that everything that Krishna does is good? That Krishna giving Sudama Brahmana a palace is good, and Krishna making this horrific, ghastly scene in the Talavan forest is also good. Now, how do we get to that point? So let's see what's good about this. Well, first of all, we have in text 37, Nripa, O King. And Sanatana Goswami says that this O King is indicative of the joy of Sukadeva Goswami of telling this Leela. 
It's also indicative of the fact that a king would appreciate this particular pastime even materially. As Krishna says to Arjuna, happy are the Kshatriyas to whom such fighting opportunities come unsought, opening for them the doors of the heavenly kingdom. So each of us have a particular nature in this world. And according to our nature, there's certain things we really enjoy. You know, if you're a Vaisha and you get opportunity to make money, you're going to be excited, right? Prabhupada says a real Vaisha makes money when things are going well and makes money when things are going badly. Like with this pandemic in the world, so many people are losing money. Disney has lost $255 billion. But believe me, there's also people making money. Right? I'm sure people who are producing medical equipment are making money. Or like we're all using Zoom now, right? They're making a fortune. So at Vaisha, they'll see, oh, here I have an opportunity to make a profit. And for them, that's exciting. Right? If you're a potter and you have some opportunity to make beautiful pots, you get an order. Somebody gives you an order. You know, I want 50 beautiful pots, each one of them different. And they're going to go in, you know, a showroom and thousands of people will see them and appreciate them. So the potter becomes very happy. Right? We each get some joy when we have some facility to do the things that we love. Isn't that a fact? Yes? We get, we get some opportunity to do something that's our nature. So the Kshatriyas, who, now not all Kshatriyas are warriors. There are many people in government who are not warriors. But those who are warriors, who are fighters, when they get an opportunity to fight evil, they're excited. Wow, I can get the bad guy. Yes. Uh, the Brahmanas may feel that when there's an opportunity to discuss philosophical truths and debate by Keshava Kashmiri he's like oh I get to debate so the king could understand Maharaj Parikit could understand how this was going to be something that was exciting yes so that's one way in which we can understand that, that this was lila that it was play that the king could understand. Oh, just like I enjoy a good fight. So Krishna and Balaram are also enjoying a good fight. And that is one way we can understand that everything Krishna does is good. Prabhupada says in the story of Jambavan, when Krishna was fighting with Jambavan, that Krishna has all the propensities of a human being. The Bible says we're made in God's image. And just like I want to enjoy a variety of things, I mean, I have my favorite foods. All of us have our favorite foods. And I don't want to eat my favorite foods every day as my only food. Right? I'm sure most of us like pizza, but we wouldn't want pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. We want a variety, and we want a variety of tastes. We don't want to only eat sweets. Right? Even if we really like sweets, we, don't, we, we want to have something salty also. We want to have something with different flavors. So much of the history of the world is connected with spices. That's why the Europeans came to the Western Hemisphere. They thought they were going to go around the world and get spices. 
But why do people want spices? Well, part of it was to preserve food, like black pepper as a preservative, but part of it was for variety. So Prabhupada explains in the introduction to the Nectar Devotion that everything we're doing is looking for rasa, and there's 12 rasas. We want people that we can just adore. Oh, what a wonderful person. People may do that about some political leader or a sports hero or a scientist. We want people we can serve. Oh, let me help you. Oh, can I help you? Can I do this for you? We want people that we're friends with, that we're buddies with, that we can joke around with and insult in a playful way, that we're peers with. We want people we can nurture and take care of and guide. Right? And we want to enter into a romantic relationship with someone. But we also like the, se- the seven secondary rasas. We like to get angry. Right? We like to get angry at the other political party. We like to get angry at the other sports team. We like to get angry at the injustices done to people and animal in the world. Right? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> we like to get scared. That's why people go on roller coasters. And, right? We like a sense of wonder at the sunset. We like comedy and joy. We like a good fight. If Maybe some of us like a good physical fight. Some of us like a good intellectual flight, fight. Also in chivalry, we like to give charity. We like to consider ourselves very dharmic. And we even like disgust. Oh, look at that disgusting thing over here. Oh, can I see? <laughs> we like a feeling of disgust. Oh, do you know what so-and-so did? Oh, they did something really immoral and unethical. Ew, how awful. We're enjoying disgust. So Krishna enjoys all these things too. So that's our first hint was this Nirpa, oh, king that you can understand this is Leela because you also enjoy things. So just like I'm looking for enjoyment materially, so Krishna also enjoys things transcendentally. And everything about the truth is beautiful. When I was first getting serious about Krishna consciousness, I was in college and I was... I was going to my classes in a sari. It wasn't a real sari because there weren't very many places in America at that time you could buy real saris. So it was just a piece of cloth from a cloth shop. And I'm sure I looked very funny because I had bought a piece of cloth that was too short. I'd only bought like five yards and it wasn't wide enough so it was only like mid-calf and I could only make like two pleats in it. So I'm sure I looked very funny. Anyway, I was wearing a sari-ish thing and I was wearing tilak to my classes and, and Tulsi beads so I remember in my literature class the professor asked us to write a poem about truth so I wrote a poem about how truth is beautiful and my professor objected and he said a lot of truth is ugly and I said no truth is only beautiful so here our acharyas are appreciating the beauty of the scene oh it looks like sunset The dark demons in the trees look like dark clouds and the blood falling from the demons look like the red clouds. Wow, it's beautiful. We have uh, another ghastly 
pastime of Krishna, where there's also some description of this. Does anybody remember what that is? It's a description of blood. The fights with Jarasandha's army. And it's described in those fights that the blood was like a what? A river. It was like a river of blood. And then the different body parts of the animals and the people look like different aquatic creatures. They look like fish or turtles swimming in this, in this river of blood, these rivers of blood on the battlefield. You know, I've been told that in modern movies, they sometimes, when they want to show war very realistically, they'll show waters turning bloody. And Prabhupada comments that, you know, people may be disturbed by this ghastly scene, but those were real heroes. They're like, yes, a river of blood with horses' heads and elephant heads and elephant legs and people's thighs and dismembered feet floating in the blood river. And they were appreciating it as very beautiful. There's a description, and I can't remember if it's with the Battle of Shalva or it's with the Battle of the King of Kashi. I think it's with the Battle of Pondrak and the King of Kashi. It might be Shalva, but I'm pretty sure it's Pondrak and the King of Kashi, where it says, after the battle, everything looked like a playground. So here we have the word Lilaya, play. So everything looked like a playground, but whose playground? A playground of Lord Shiva. Where Lord Shiva had his, his playground. And the devotees, the sages, are seeing the beauty in this. And that's interesting because these sages, they're not kshatriyas, they're brahmanas. And they're also seeing it's very beautiful. So why would they be seeing it as beautiful? Because it's in connection with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now, some years ago, I read an account by this person who apparently became Brahman realized. And one of the things that struck me is he described everything as beautiful. He had a, a near-death experience and, and came back to consciousness, seeing that everything is, is spiritual. And he was in this hospital and he was saying, the stains on the walls, the smell of urine from my, the other person in the bed next to me, everything is perfect. Everything is beautiful. Everything is done by the spiritual. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing ugly. And it's very interesting in the 20th chapter of Krishna book, Prabhupada says the materialists see the world as very aggressive, but to those who are Krishna consciousness, they see that everything is happily situated. So this is, it's a very interesting view of reality. You know, that Krishna's fighting on the battlefield of Kurukshetra, killing the demons. It's all beautiful. And not only is it all beautiful, but it's also enjoyable. It's playful. It's lila. It's a game. You know, we take the world as very serious. And this is kind of a funny thing. We're all looking for meaning. We're all looking, well, I want that something to be valuable. I don't want it just to be frivolous. Prabhupada sometimes talked about how no gambling means no frivolous sports. 
Right? Krishna says we have to be balanced in eating, sleeping, working, and recreation. So we're supposed to have recreation. In fact, without, rec- without some sort of recreation, we can't even function properly physically. And Krishna says you can't be a yogi if you're unbalanced with these basic things, including recreation. But nothing frivolous. We don't want to just waste our time doing something frivolous. And I don't think we're going to get into a deep discussion about what those seemingly contradictory things means. But it's interesting that when we look for something meaningful and serious, we think, well, I'm going to serve God. That's really serious. It's not frivolous. But everything Krishna does is playful. In one sense, Krishna never does anything serious. So we have this paradox that only with Krishna are things meaningful. Everything without Krishna, as we already said, has shradayam hutam datam tapas tatam kutam Without Krishna... Everything is meaningless. Without Krishna, everything is frivolous. It's meaningless. It, it's butfa butfa polyute. It just doesn't mean anything. At the end of Brahma's day, everything's finished. All of our buildings, all of our books, all of our institutions, all of our families, it's all just finished and starts all over again. Like a sandcastle, like a tower of wooden blocks in a child's game. Without Krishna, nothing has meaning or value. With Krishna, everything has real meaning. It's all eternal. It's real. It's about who I am. It's real love. It's not selfish, but it's all play. So here we think something that's play, something that's lila, something that's a pastime is frivolous, isn't it? The word pastime, to pass the time. It's just frivolous. You're just doing it to pass the time. Like so many people in this uh, situation are saying that they're just passing the time. They're stuck in their homes because of this virus and all they're doing is just wasting their time. Watching shows they've already watched. Right? Eating too much food. Drinking too much alcohol. They're just wasting their time waiting until they can be released. So we think of that. Well, it's a pastime. And if I'm doing work in the world, I'm trying to make money and I'm, you know, helping people and I'm taking care of my... That's serious. But the paradox is when we really do something meaningful, it becomes all play. It becomes all pastimes. And everything Krishna does is playful. Whether Krishna's kidnapping Rukmini from the nasty Shishupal, rescuing the damsel in distress from the demon and putting her on his chariot and or whether he's playing ball games with the boys in the forest or whether he's having blood dripping out of the trees from the demons it's all playful it's ultimately meaningful and truthful and eternal and it's also playful so it's it's very very hard to understand krishna right Hardly anybody looks for the real truth. People are just trying to talk about what's good and bad in the world. People are just trying to be good people in the world according to their own estimation of what's good and bad, which varies from time to time and culture to culture. Hardly anyone is looking for transcendence. And of those who look for transcendence, Hardly anybody can understand that transcendence is a person. 
and that what we're looking for is all there in Krishna. We want everything to be beautiful and everything to be playful and everything to be meaningful in a variety of emotional experiences. If we didn't have a taste for ghastliness, then probably three-quarters of the entertainment industry would be finished. Isn't that a fact? Right, when I was recently visiting my family in, in uh, Redmond in Seattle, so one of my granddaughters was in a performance of Shakespearean plays, little snippets from different plays. And, you know, some of them were comedies and some of them were romances and some of them were tragedies. Some of them were ghastly. In some of them, everybody dies. So we want this variety. We want comedy, we want romance, we want friendship, we want fear, we want wonder, we want ghastliness, we want anger, we want all these things. So then the big question remains, why don't we absorb ourselves in Krishna's pastime? Why do we absorb ourselves in the reflection? For conditioned souls, our default is to be absorbed in the reflection. To be absorbed in that which without Krishna is all bad. And to just have our mind and our consciousness just <laughs> be churning and churning and churning with these reflected rasas which we've had experience over so many lifetimes, do not satisfy us. So we have an opportunity that Srila Prabhupada has given us. It's a very, very rare opportunity. I mean, it is really, really rare that we can be absorbed in the real, here and now and at every moment. And then we can feel fully satisfied and fully happy and see that life is is beautiful and playful and joyful. So, questions, comments, additions, subtractions, chastisements? Yes. Because these are our pastimes. Yes. <laughs> and our pastimes are important because we're important. We think yes. we're important. Yes. And therefore, um, you know, we're going to make a world where we're important and we live our pastimes. Yes. We can't really control them so well. No, we can't control them so well. They don't turn out so well, do they? They, they don't give us what we're looking for. A little bit. A few drops of water in the desert here and there. They keep us going, but yeah, that's, that's very profound. What's even more paradoxical is we become truly important when we're connected with Krishna. Krishna's looking at each cowherd boy. There's billions of them. You know, he's sitting with each gopi. He's at the palace of each queen. Each one is important. Not like Chitraketu, who had so many queens and neglected most of them. You know, Krishna had 16,108 queens, and the 16,000th, the 108th, won. 
had Krishna just as much as Rukmini did. Krishna touches each plant in Vrindavan every day, every blade of grass. Every blade of grass to Krishna is important. So I realize that I'm important when I'm part of Krishna's pastimes. When I'm connected with Krishna, then I actually feel important. Because I am important to Krishna. But when I try to separate myself from Krishna, I become totally unimportant. Even if I have a whole country that glorifies me, you know, which just seems to be the main motivator of our current leader. You know, even if I've got billions of people or millions of people that are all going, Oh, Ormila, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. It's not true. I become an insignificant nobody in history. My own great-great-grandchildren, the grandchildren of my grandchildren, will not know my name. Just like we don't know the names of our great-great-grandparents. If I'm in a history book, the students will say, Do we have to learn history? You should learn how Urmila Devi Dasi conquered the world in 2021. Uh, do I have to memorize the name and date? Do we have to memorize the stupid name and date? You know, so materially, if I try to become important, I become an insignificant grain of sand in the passing of time. No one cares about my pastimes. Just make an experiment. Find someone who loves you. You know, find someone who genuinely loves you and see how long they'll listen to you telling your pastimes. Make an experiment. How long does it take for them to get bored? Even your most interesting pastimes, your most interesting stories. How long are they willing to tolerate it? How interested are we in our own stories, you know? Do we want to reread our diaries thousands of times? So it's, it's ironic that materially, when we try to make ourselves important, we, we become nothing. And spiritually, when we realize our insignificance, all of a sudden we become important. Krishna thinks each of his devotees are equally important. Prabhupada said he's, he's embracing Radharani and he's embracing the calf. Now, Krishna doesn't think, oh yeah, Radharani is important and that's just a calf. It's just a flower, it's just a blade of grass. I've heard that from devotees sometimes. You know, Do I get to choose what I am in the spiritual world? I mean, I want to be a gopi, I don't want to be a rock. You know, but the rocks are happy. <laughs> They're like, oh, Krishna's sitting on me. You know, and Krishna loves the rocks just as much as he loves his friends. So how, how foolish we are to be, to be thinking, I want to be the center and I want to be absorbed in my activities and the activities of my family and my country and my political party. And my... All right, well, hopefully I don't get in too much trouble with this very controversial class about all of Krishna's pastimes being wonderful. Yes? Do we have a minute, maybe? Yes. We hear, um, we hear about how gassiness is beautiful, and then it seems that 
ground their own conditioning, although we can accept, well, the Acharyas say this, and everything Krishna touches is beautiful, but then we internally can feel when we hear past time of Krishna going with the coward boys into the forest with trees and flowers, we go, oh, and then when we hear about the gassing it because of our well, each of us is, are going to, because of our conditioning and ultimately because of our spiritual nature, we're going to appreciate some pastimes more than others. That's natural. We're also allowed to be individuals. But we should have some idea that all of Krishna's pastimes are wonderful, even ones that, because of my material conditioning or later because of my particular spiritual rasa, may manifest, may resonate more with me than others. But the Gopis also talk about Krishna's heroic pastimes. Shiva Prabhupada ki jai, Shiva Bhagavatam ki jai. <laughs>